Hey everyone, much more optimistic this time than the last episode. Boy gee howdy, it's the Geek Roulette Podcast featuring Mike Spriegel and... John Lundquist, hell yeah, how y'all doing guys? Oh man, this is the best episode ever, we should just quit while we're ahead. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, we've taken this about as far as we go. Alright, thanks for joining us everyone, I'm just kidding. Hey, guess what? going to do an arbitrary episode haven't had one of these for a while we're going to just discuss any whatever random things that pop into our heads because you've deserved it even though you didn't demand it that's right you feel free to demand things though everybody you can demand all you want on our social media pages right well john you'll do you know what i always do the housekeeping why don't you do the housekeeping this time you that see that nice little segue there people we have a facebook page you should go check it out talk to us Post on there what you would like us to talk about, what you want to hear, stuff like that, because we're there. We will listen to you people. We also have Twitter, but I don't know a damn thing about Twitter because I'm not on that evil site because it's evil. Mike does that crap, so if you want Twitter, talk to him. Or probably other places, too. Like, I don't know. Maybe we have an Instagram page, but probably not because, you know, it's a podcast. What are we going to take pictures of? You know, go look at other things for that. So, hooray, social media. I don't know. Is Twitter that bad, despite the fact that it doesn't want Elon Musk to buy it, even though they're right now trying to extort him out of a billion dollars? That's a pretty cool move on their part. Yeah, that's just a bizarre situation all all around. Then you've got that whole thing with his dad and like having kids with his stepdaughter is just creepy and weird, which makes you think that whole family is just batshit insane. You're saying that a millionaire is maybe not of right and sound mind? I don't see how that's possible, what? John. That's just crazy. I do think it's odd how, like, Elon Musk went from being like everybody likes him, like he's the coolest guy, he's all innovative and making all this cool technology to turn into like almost like a supervillain, like over the course of the last couple of years. It's it's kind of interesting. It is. It is. But hey, let's talk and stop talking about him, because guess what? That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to talk What's about him. You're right. So guess what? Let's talk about recommendations. John, one recommendation is all you get. One. My one recommendation that I did not recommend last time because I was scolded and told, no, don't do that, is Scout, which is a card game that you can find at hopefully your local game shop, although I think it might be kind of popular because I tried looking for it locally and I could not find it. Um, and not even locally. I went up to the cities and couldn't find it up there either. It is called Scout. It's a card game. It's a little bit different than most card games. Um, we tend to play a lot of card games with our family, so one thing we do when we... You pick up your cards as you pick them up, you look at them, and you put them in order by, like, suit and number and whatever. In this one, that is a big no-no. You pick up your cards, um, you look at them, you have to keep them in order, and they also have a top and a bottom, basically. So, like, when you flip your card, your hand over, there will be different numbers on the other side. And based on how those look, you need to play, like, matches, match, uh, matches, yeah, matches, everybody. You need to have runs, like, one, two, three, four, or sets, you know, like, one of a kind, two of a kind, three of a kind, four of a kind, and on. Um, that's just kind of a fun game. Um, if you enjoy card games like we do, Scout is a fun one. Uh, I forget the name of the company that puts it out, but if you search Scout, you should find it. Although I couldn't find it on Amazon a couple weeks ago. So, but I do know that level up games in Minneapolis, at least a couple weeks ago, had one more copy left. So if you live in New York, drive now to Minneapolis to get your copy of the game. They ship. If you live in New York, they will happily ship you a copy of Scout and you know, you have to pay shipping and all that stuff, but I'm sure there's somewhere out in New York too that hopefully would have it. But no, that's a pretty small town. It is, you know, not very like, you know, fashion forward as far as games either. I'm sure. 
And I think it's very presumptuous. You think that most places have like a you know local game shop because if I'm in a crappy state of Iowa, that's right, Iowa, you suck. They have just corn and cows, so I don't think they have game stores there. Yeah, they might not. They're kind of jerks down there. Yeah, they have herpes too. Let's see, like, yeah. let's see the whole state of Iowa sue us for defamation. <laughs> Go for it, Iowa. That means you're listening, though. At least, and hey, we'll take your listens. Right. That's where then all of a sudden, like, our listenership is just like you know social media, where people follow us just to hate us and not actually enjoy our content. Just hate likes. Hate That's likes. Okay. We'll take hate likes too. It's delicious. Let me let me consume all your hate likes, everyone. Tasty. All right. Well, my uh, my recommendation. This has been out for a little while and everything, but it was something I thought about because I was, you know, when you flip through and you see like, oh, things I've already watched. And one thing on Netflix that they have on there is a show that's called The G Word, and The G Word's an interesting program. First, uh, it features Adam Conover from Adam Ruins Everything, um, and it's a uh, sort of a six-episode miniseries where it is executive produced by uh, Barack Obama and his wife, Michelle Obama, and each episode talks about different elements of the government and what they actually do and maybe why they don't work to the greatest efficiency that they do. And it's an interesting look, and I can see how some people would cry and bemoan the fact that, oh, it's just a slanted thing there. True, but... I think if no matter what side of the actual fence you are in terms of certain beliefs, you still have to look at some of the stuff and realize that no matter who you are, there's an amazing amount of inefficiencies in the government. It's interesting how it points out some of those inefficiencies and how it impacts things without us even knowing it. So I would uh, recommend the G word on Netflix. Interesting. That's what I thought. Uh, my get, one word review of your review. Yes, thank you. And I'll review your review as well. Uh, lackadaisical. I didn't really feel the energy or heart in it. Yeah, that's probably deserved. It is. Hey, let's do an arbitrary list. So arbitrary list I proposed for this episode is rather simple. Name the top three things that you feel are amazingly overrated that everybody else seems to love or rave about. And John, again, I'll go first just to kind of help lay and set up the deck of how everything is here. Uh, my first choice, I don't get why people like the McRib. People like anytime like, oh, the McRib's back for a limited time. Everybody like, like not everybody, dumb people sit there like, oh, the McRib's back. But it is one of the most disgusting food items of all time because it's not even ribs. It's just a bunch of meat pressed and formed into the shape to kind of look like a horrible rack of ribs, which is really bad when you think about it because if it's ribs, there's actually bones. But you're eating this garbage sandwich that has, like, pickles and barbecue sauce on it. And, you know, there was actually a following of people that would follow around when the McRibs were going around the country. And so those people, what the hell is wrong with you? Seriously, you want to chase a piece of garbage sandwich like that and, like, get enjoyment out of it? You deserve every ounce of intestinal distress that sandwich gives you. So I don't get the love behind the McRib. Uh, for a 2.0 or a 1. or 0.5 on tack on this, the same thing with the Shamrock Shake. I don't get why people like the Shamrock Shake at McDonald's. It's not that great, but 
Again, oh, it's March. We've got to get a shamrock shake. I'm like, okay, whatever. Go to Dairy Queen. Get something there. So that's my first I one. I will say sh- shamrock shakes I do like, although it's not something I like make it a point to go get one. Like, I don't remember the last time I've had one. Um, but, yeah, McRibs are, yeah. I'm, I don't have as much bile form as you do, but, you know, I don't Let's like be very clear. when they come out. Nobody has as much bile as I do. Well, yes, that's true. You do. You do are quite good at spewing bile. Um, mm-hmm. Like I'll occasionally get like the the quick trip version of the McRib, but like, that's even worse, you know. dude. That's just a hate crime against your stomach. Why are you killing your stomach like that? Because maybe I hate myself. Damn it! You're gonna go get yourself some gas myself. station sushi while you're at it. Hell yes! <laughs> you enjoy your dysentery, friend. But yes, speaking of dysentery and keeping on the food topic, my first thing is also a food thing. Um, I'm going to go with sriracha. I am not a huge fan of sriracha. Um, and it's not because I don't like spicy things. I like spicy things just fine. I can generally do, although I'm probably not as good with spicy things as I used to be. But it's not the spice that bothers me. It's the sweetness. Like, I think the second ingredient on there is sugar. Um, and it just doesn't do it for me. I don't get it why people, like, eat it like ketchup and put it on everything and... You know, so it just, it, there's plenty of other good hot sauces out there. Like if you want like a decent mass produced hot sauce, Chihula is pretty good. Um, but try something else. That's not like, you know, we're going to put some peppers and some sugar together, but I, yeah, Sriracha is one I, I I don't get the love for. I like Sriracha. I'm not over the moon. I feel that it works as a complimentary sauce on some things, but not all things. But I can say the same with that of almost all hot sauces. There's different hot sauces for different types of things, depending on, what kind of base it is like, you know, your chipotle base style, you know, sauces, your habanero style sauces, you know, even I think sriracha has a place. I actually like putting sriracha on brats, like sriracha and mustard. But the key thing is there, it works and complements with the mustard. Well, I feel if I were to put sriracha on a brat just by itself, eh, it's not quite the same. Yeah, maybe, maybe I just need to find what sriracha works with, but I have not found it yet. No, no. Uh, I'm going to stay in the food world before I move on to my last one, which is the greatest amount of like what the Fism that I don't get the love for. But um, this this could have gone in so many different ways here. But because I feel like there's certain food chains that people seem to like rave about or like they build them up to be bigger than what they are. Now, at first, I'm like, well, like here in the Minnesota area, one place that's based out of Chicago that we got like a couple years ago is like Portillo's. And everybody's like, oh, you got to eat Portillo's. But Portillo's just seems boring and bland to me. Or we have another chain out here called Raising Cane's, where, again, it's like, oh, it's chicken fingers. you got to wait in line for their chicken fingers and their sauce. And I'm like, no, no, you don't. But I don't get, and you can go to any of these, and the lines are always big and massive. I don't get the love for Chick-fil-A. It's an okay chicken sandwich, but I don't see, like, the only thing I will credit chick-fil-a for is that they do pay you know their employees a great wage they do also have horrible stances on some of like the various human rights aspects of it but that's a separate issue in itself but they do focus a lot on their customer service and paying a decent wage but that being said that's also a nice way to say hey we're gonna treat you really nice because we just got to make you think our mediocre sandwich is much more than what it actually is and that's just what it is. I mean, I've tried their sandwiches. I try their stuff, and there's nothing there that ever sits there and says, I got to go back there right away. Like, it's something that, like, I'll eat it as a change of pace kind of thing. But, again, I, I just don't understand the massive love for Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. I mean, I won't eat there for the reasons, like you said, because they're 
beliefs are just insane. Um, but the couple times I did have it before I was fully aware of that, like, yeah, it was, it was fine, but not like, you know, not, not like great, you know, kind of like the same thing, like you said, with raising canes, raising canes is fine, but I'm not going to sit in a line around the block to get some, you know, okay chicken fingers. Um, yes. My next one I am going with is, um, the new trend, which has been going around for quite a while of, of hard seltzers, you know, like specifically like white claw, um, I just, I don't know. I just don't get it. I mean, they're okay. I mean, I suppose if you want to drink booze without thinking you're drinking booze or if you want to be super trendy, that's Then I would happens. strongly recommend drinking Hard Mountain Dew, which can be found at any various liquor yeah. store. Hard Mountain Dew, and with many different flavors. Uh, look out, this later this year, there is also the live new Livewire Hard Dew version coming out as well. So, yes, drink Mountain Dew, Hard Dew. Oh, yeah, and go get some Spam and some Black Label Bacon while you're at it as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe that's the old man in me. I'm just not young and trendy and hip to where I want to go to the bar and drink White Claws, which that's a whole other rant I could go on of like going to clubs is something I'm not a big fan of, but that's probably just old man me. Although even young me didn't really like going to clubs. Clubs are like, what the hell? Um, but yeah, just the whole hard seltzer, hard sparkling water, whatever that whole, that whole trend, which, you know, whatever, it's easy enough to forget about, which I suppose all of these are, but that's not the point. Screw hard seltzer. Mm-hmm. All right, my uh, my last uh, choice. Oh man! So I got to preface this where I would say that the one band or group that always takes a bunch of crap is Nickelback, and I get it. I feel it. Nickelback when they first came out, they were kind of all over the place and. They were they were a band that kind of I think the best way to put it is like it transcended a lot of different genres where it was hard enough where you could call it rock but also light enough that you could put it on like your contemporary like stations or your top 40 stations and it just really wasn't exciting music it was just one of something music that you know you'd hear it at a dentist and I think maybe after a while it would just accentuate the pain of whatever procedure was being done to your mouth in general so Nickelback, you know, they've they've eaten shit for like over 20 years at this point. And I feel that we have the new Nickelback now. I feel there's another band out there that almost is the more modern version of Nickelback. And that is Imagine Dragons. I would uh I would say this. It's a band that again I hear, like, see that it's played on, like, you know, metal and hard rock stations. It's played on, like, contemporary, like, you know, music stations. It's played on, like, you know, morning drive time stations. It's played on alternative stations. It's all over the place. And all of it, just the music, just again, is, like, trying to be something for everyone. But the one thing it refuses to do is that it refuses to be good. I... I can't stand Imagine Dragons with a heartfelt passion. I sit there and I listen when I hear a song of theirs. I almost sit there and wish, man, I sure wish Nickelback would come on the radio right now. Anything to save me from having to listen to Imagine Dragons. I hate Imagine Dragons, John. Yes, you have mentioned it before, and I think I've mentioned once on the podcast where, like, I don't mind them. Like, they're fine. I think I almost, you know, I can appreciate the fact that they're just sugary, poppy. Mass appeal, whatever. I mean, I'm never going to go see them in concert or pay any money for their music or anything. But, I no, hope they're, not. You know, they're they're fine. 
you know, I don't know. What's but but I definitely get what you're saying, and I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna begrudge you your bile towards towards Imagine Dragons because I understand. John, do you have a sponsorship with Bile where every time you use that word you get like paid a certain amount of money? I do every time I say the word bile, I get paid a couple dollars from the bile company of America. Bile. Bile bile. That's right, folks. This episode we sold out. Hell yes, if only. That would be nice. Oh, man, if there's only something to wash down this bile, maybe I should drink some of this hard Mountain Dew that's so delicious. Oh, this black cherry flavor is fantastic. And what pairs better with that than a nice BLT made with some delicious black label bacon? And maybe if you want to get crazy, throw some Cure 81 ham on there. John, what's your last one? (laughs) Um... My last one, I went with something fairly generic. I don't know, because I always have an issue with, like, I mean, not an issue, a problem coming up with this. You know, I don't have as much bile. Is ah, it puppies or babies? Did you pick puppies or babies? It's babies. No. Um, I just went with, like, the whole celebrity gossip thing because I just find it hard to care. Like, people that buy, like, People Magazine and Us Magazine and, you know, go on whatever those celebrity gossip sites are, basically the ones that keep paparazzi in business and, you know make them do the things that they do. Like, what the hell is wrong with you people? I just, it, I, I don't care what freaking Jason Momoa is doing. Or, well, wait, 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 wait. What know, is he doing? How... John, stop. No, stop. What has he been doing? I could, I could Google it, but, you know. Um, but just, I mean, are your life's so boring that you need to, you know, try and figure out every last deal of, you know, every celebrity, what they're doing and, you know, where they buy gas at and who they had dinner with last night like like who freaking cares like you um, know man look there's a picture of jason momoa he's eating he's eating chick-fil-a god damn you jason momoa has some self-respect and he's and he's got a McRib in the background oh he's two-fisting he, it that son of a bitch trending jason momoa news mm-hmm. he posted some vacation stamps alongside pal jared leto oh man they're friends what the hell on boat off the coast of Mallorca. Wow, that's nice. See, you can you can watch Jason Momoa on vacation because, I don't know, that's the thing that brings you joy, I suppose. Have fun with that. I don't care. Yep. Good old healthy dose, health, healthy dose of who gives a shit. Yay! Man, these past couple episodes, a couple of angry episodes, John. I know, it's like we don't have anywhere to grit it up like in real life or something, so we just get on here and it's just like... Sp- Spewing forth all sorts of hatred. Man. You thought I was going to say bile, didn't you? I assume you also have a side deal with the hatred people. Yes, I do. That's good. It's good to diversify. You just don't want to be pigeonholed into one area. No. You want to be like the Shaquille O'Neal of basically, uh, I don't know, anger, where you just sponsor any angry thing possible. Yes, and think that the earth is flat. No, the earth is flat. I honestly, I flat earthers are like a group of people. I sit there and part of me thinks like they know deep down inside the earth's not flat, but they're just tripling down on just their stupid ignorance because they want to be contrarians to like everybody's like common sense. Yeah. I think I remember reading somewhere that they even did like a test to prove that the earth wasn't flat and they actually proved that it was, you know, in fact round. So I don't know. It's just, yeah, have fun people. Walk until you fall off the edge. That's uh, that's my favorite uh, Talking Heads album. 
What, falling off the edge? Talk until you fall off the edge, yeah. Or walk until you fall off the edge. That joke. Maybe. I I, got to edit that bad joke out. That's horrible right there. That's. (laughs) Hey, you got to take the good with the bad, damn it. They're not all going to be golden nuggets of sunshine and happiness. Mm. Golden nuggets. Golden nugget. Like the hotel. And casino in Las Vegas. Uh, it's it's an odd thing you mentioned that because I've read, I guess, like uh, the Hard Rock Corporation like is buying the Mirage in Vegas, and there's talks that like eventually they'll like kind of change the Mirage into like one of their brand style hotels, and that they'll take apart like the volcano and change the veneer outside and everything like that. That that casino is def. I wouldn't say it's iconic, but it's something like it's something you've seen so many times. So like, I think you almost have to consider that's probably one of the first of the newer casinos that kind of came out in like the '90s that is falling. Kind of like how like you know throughout the early two thousand, like late '90s, early two thousands, you saw a lot of like the old school casinos like start to get destroyed and everything. Now you're almost at the phase like now they're starting to cannibalize some of like the. Casinos that came out in our generation when we started going to Vegas. Yeah, and you've been more of a Vegas guy than I have. I think I've only been out there twice. Is more some Raj's on the is on the new the new strip? I assume. Yeah, it's yeah, it's right over there. It's by the Bellagio, and it's it's okay. over in that general area. And I think that's a hard thing right there. Like, I you're right. I've gone to Vegas several times, but I don't know if I would ever go back to Vegas. I think the weird thing about Vegas is that. Like, in the old days of Vegas, it used to be a few different things. Like, I think in the old days, it was all about, you know, the gambling and the drinking and the shows. But then eventually, it started going to, like, the whole theme thing where, like, every casino had to have a theme. And that was kind of the hook and draw on it. And then there was, like, great deals everywhere. But I feel like almost as, like, the 2000s went on, a lot of those deals are, like, you know, oh, you can get steak dinners cheap in Vegas. No. Everything in Vegas now is just horribly overpriced including like going to the hotels because like any hotel you go to you're almost paying like an ex- you know exorbitant amount for like resort fees and other things along those lines food there's just expensive and i i just don't understand i guess what the fun appeal of vegas is anymore i feel it's one of those things it's kind of a byproduct of an old time and age i think it like kind of almost like hit its modern like you know you had the, of course the whole sinatra rat pack phase back in like you know the 60s and stuff I feel like Vegas probably peaked again when like Ocean's Eleven came out in like 2001 where everybody kind of got into that or even like before that was Swingers. But now I just don't know who – I don't know what kind of or who – what type of person goes to Vegas anymore I guess is what I'm just more curious about. Well, I'm wondering about. like do you think maybe it's taken that downswing a little bit? Because you know, cause it used to be you could get out – you could fly out there and stay in a hotel for super cheap – and I wonder if almost the prices haven't gone up because, like, it used to be you'd go out there and you'd gamble. And so, like, that was technically how you'd pay for your hotel was you'd just go gamble. You'd lose all your money in the hotels. And, like, last time I went there, like, I didn't spend a nickel in a slot machine or any. You know, I didn't gamble at all. We just kind of, you know, we did a couple shows. We did a few other things. And I wonder if that's becoming more of the trend as people aren't gambling as much and spending their money in the casinos as they are other things out there. And so in order to recoup that, you know, these super expensive casinos have to, you know, and hotels have to, you know, start actually charging, you know, more for their rooms and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you have your resort fees. Like, honestly, I think, and this is almost, I think, true of everything at this point. If you were to say, hey, do you want to, like, go to a vacation somewhere, I would be so skeptical. I mean, the way air, you know, airplanes have become the most unreliable form of transportation because of how many flights have been getting canceled. That would just be my biggest scare is, like, first – 
you got to find a flight that's not going to get canceled that's going to take you out to Vegas. Then you get out there and you better hope that there's a flight that's going to take you back because if not, and if the airline's not going to spring for like where you're going to stay, you're either going to be stuck in that terminal for 48 hours like smelling like ripe sweat or worse, you're going to suck it up and buy whatever cheap like hotel that you can find in Vegas, not on something on the strip. You're going to find one of the ones that's off the strip that you just see next to like the liquor store and the pawn shop and the gun store. And you just realize, well, this is what uh, $50 a night's going to buy me. And, you know, the hooker comes by from the room next door asking you to keep the TV down because her client's getting distracted. That's, uh, that's where I feel vacationing in Vegas is gone at this point in my head. Yeah, you're probably on it wrong. I mean, like you said, I don't really have, like, I've only been out there a few times, but I have pretty much zero desire to ever go back. Like, I mean, unless you know, I get sent out there for like a work thing or something, which I think is the only time I've heard of anybody, you know, that I know recently going out there is I got sent out there for a work conference. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't kind of a been there, done that type thing. And especially if it's more expensive now, like you say, like, you know, why, you know, there's other places I'd rather go. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's part of it. I think t- to that point, too, I've been to Vegas so many times. I mean, what new ground am I going to, you know, tread at this point? I think when you hit a certain age, it's like, I kind of want to see and do other things. Like, part of the old allure of Vegas, like, hey, we're going to go to Vegas and we're going to drink a lot. Okay, well, I'm older now and I don't really drink much, if much at all at this point. So I'm going to go to Vegas. And like, I think the last time I went was 2013. And I think when uh, Jen and I went, I mean, we spent a lot of time like going to nicer restaurants, but. Man, the way that restaurants have come up and gone at this point now, I mean, heck, now even seeing our Minnesota has like a James Beard, you know, award-winning restaurant here, and I'm just going to go to that and just see how that is. I mean, there's there's a lot of different options there. I think it's just kind of become a weird vacation destination place, and I'm sure some people are like, oh, Vegas, baby. Well, good for you, not me. Yeah, have fun. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you ever, uh, you ever watch American Ninja Warrior? I don't know that I ever watched mine. I'm sure I've seen some. I used to watch a fair amount of the the regular Ninja Warrior back when it was on, what was it? It was on G4, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, G4, and then eventually Spike. Yeah. and Yeah, like I watched it there, and I think I did watch some of the American version, but not, not a lot of it. So uh, my kids have enjoyed watching it over the past few years because, hey, here's a bunch of guys jumping and flipping and grabbing on the things. And a weird trend that I've seen over like the past few years and is that in order to get on the show, you gotta have a gimmick. You just can't be like, hey, I'm a guy that wants to conquer like this obstacle course. Now it's like, hey, I'm a teacher and I'm the mathematician, I'm the math ninja. And then like they have a t-shirt that says math ninja, and they everybody seems to have like there was a guy that we were watching an episode like on Hulu the other night. There's a guy, I'm the cupcake ninja because I like cupcakes. And like, well, good, bloat yourself up, you piece of crap, while you try to go flip through there. It's weird, like, when I think about shows like that and just how, how like, shows like that have gone in a weird place. Like, as an example, here's another one right here. Like, the fact that you have shows like The Voice and American Idol, what's the point anymore, really? Because I remember, like, the whole thing with American Idol, like, 20 years ago was that, hey, you know what? You win and you can get a contract, music contract, and become the next, you know, big singer. And maybe they had a couple people in the first few seasons that were kind of notable, but really, what's the point of winning American Idol nowadays? Because honestly, you could probably achieve more just putting your music on YouTube and just trying to launch it yourself than trying to go on to like basically a weird show like that. 
I don't know. I'm just kind yeah, of. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's got to be almost more you're doing it for the exposure than because you actually think you're going to get a decent recording contract out of it. Like maybe it's somebody who has a decent following like on different platforms and so you're like you know well, i'm gonna go on american idol but i don't really care if i win or not you know i just kind of want to go on to get the exposure maybe get some more fans like i almost wonder if it's like that because like i've listened to uh uh what's his name pendulet is a podcast of penn and teller and him and they do uh what's their show fool us where they bring magicians on there's the idea is they have to fool penn and teller and if they can't figure out how your trick went whatever you win and he's mentioned a few times, he's like one of the guys who was on there, uh, Piff the Magic Dragon, Piff the, is it Piff the Magic Dragon? Whatever it is, Piff the Dragon, you've probably seen him on some other things. Like, he didn't win, like, they figured out what his trick was, how he did it, but he then went on to all the success, but, you know, he kind of did the same thing, where he had this kind of a gimmick, you know, like you were saying with some other guys, but he kind of took that and transformed that exposure on there, and got, you know, he's got a show in Vegas now, um... And other things, he was touring with somebody, I forget who it was, uh, a fairly big name. And they had a tour going out, and it was, you know, so he kind of took that, just that exposure, even though he didn't win, and used it to boost his fan base. I almost think that's what, like, some of these shows, like The Voice and American Idol and, you know, America's Got Talent and all those. Like, that's almost more what they're trying to do is just, you know, I'm just going to get exposure. I don't really care if I win or not and get whatever the, you know, the quote-unquote grand prize is. But how many of you do you actually think parlay their success into something more? Because you watch shows like that, and I don't ever think if there's ever a situation like, oh, like I, I think one of the, like, there's a few shows that maybe I do feel kind of did do what you're saying. Like uh, uh, Last Comic Standing was like a good example on NBC where they had comics on there. And there are some like, you know, comedians that did have that exposure, did help launch them to more prominent things. But I think the difference, though, is like being good at comedy is something that's easier to like translate to other avenues and careers because that can get you into writers' rooms, that can get you into other types of like entertainment-based things. Whereas like being able to sing like on American Idol is one of those things that I feel is still just a very weirdly limiting thing when you go on there. Yeah, and I think for a lot of those like talent shows, like you know, like. American, like I think Kelly Clarkson did good, and she's still got like a whatever a talk show or whatever she does. You still see her pop up every now. And then. I feel like it's almost like a lot of these things. The you know the last comic standing, you know next top model. A lot of these like the first season or two, maybe the winners of those ones maybe went on to bigger things. But after that, I think people just kind of watched it out of habit, and like nobody really cared who won it after that. So it's just kind of kept going almost out of you know like oh we're getting ratings, why not? It's a cheap show to put on. Let's you know let's put it out there, and you know who cares. Well, and I think it really depends also on the format and type of show. Like, I like watching Top Chef. I think watching some of the food they make on there is, you know, very interesting food itself. And there are many of those that have gone on and parlayed their fame into other avenues. Then there's, like, you know, when you watch, like, Gordon Ramsay's garbage, like, cooking competition. I watch that and... All it is is it just feels super hokey, and it just feels doesn't feel like it has integrity. It feels like almost like the Walmart of like I don't know entertainment shows, where it's like how much dumb drama stuff can we do instead of actually focusing on the food itself, you know? And I think that's like the difference there is presentation. You know, if you're gonna have a competition, like as an example, like if you're watching The Bachelor, let's not sit there and think, man, I sure hope he ends up with her, or vice versa, if it's a Bachelorette, her with him. You have to sit there and think. What kind of horrible person would sit there like, well, I'll see 20 women, and one of these women I'm going to like a lot. 
that right there, I think, is just a whole weird concept when people, I hear people like that are just fascinated with what's going on in The Bachelor. Like, no, that's a really horrible show. What's even worse yeah. is when you think that, you know, that whoever's like the main person who's trying to like, you know, everybody's vying for their attention probably ends up like sleeping with multiple people on the show. It's like, will you be with me? And it's not even marriage anymore. It's like, do you tolerate me enough to at least through the finale? And then maybe we'll see where this goes. And if not, you get a big payout. Yeah. I mean, that and that kind of, you know, like reality shows almost too kind of dovetail into that whole like celebrity gossip thing that I don't just, you know, they're not even actual celebrities. I mean, I suppose they are because if people are talking about you and watching you on TV, you're technically a celebrity. But, you know, just people get this obsessive like, oh, did you see what? this guy and this girl did on the bachelor or whatever. And Oh my, I can't believe he did that. Or he didn't pick this person or whatever. And it's just, you know, again, like who, who, who cares? Like it's, you know, this weird, like I'm kind of surprised the, the reality show obsession has, has gone on as long as it has. And a lot of these shows, like, I mean, bachelor, I'm sure has probably had like 20 seasons by now, or probably more than that, you know, between, especially between that and the bachelorette. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's 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 weird the things that catch on in in America. Well, I think over the world. past like four or five years, another trend that I think has been in there is like celebrity game shows, where you have like some celebrity that hosts a game show with other celebrities on it. Like you see a lot of them, like on NBC, I think is probably the station you see the most of them. Where like they got so many different ones. Like there's one I saw a commercial for now with Jimmy Fallon and. I sure hope it is. Who wants to hit Jimmy Fallon with a cinder block? Because that is a show I would watch hands down. I but would go on that game show. <laughs> if Am I the one that's going to use the cinder block? <laughs> Unfortunately, all you win is a trip to jail because you misread the instructions of how the game is won. Yeah. You weren't actually supposed to hit him. It's the name of the show, though, damn it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, you know, have fun in jail. I will. Thank you. It was worth it. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what I, uh, you and I did this past week? Um, ate food. No, actually, I haven't done that. That explains a lot of these pains and the 40 pounds I've lost. Huh. That's why you're spewing so much bile. Yeah, apparently my stomach's just eating itself right now, and all that excess, like, you know, bile in my stomach is just causing problems. Uh, but yeah, that in, in addition to that, what do you, you know, one thing I've done this past week, you'll never guess. Um, I will probably never guess. Um, you yes. went on a transatlantic flight. Uh, no, you're not close. Damn it. Um, you dug a hole to China, but only got five feet down before you quit. Uh, first, that's impossible. I mean, once you get through the core and the mantle of the earth, I mean, the hot magma would have like basically burned me alive. See, but that, that's that's why you quit after five feet. Was because it took you to five feet, you'd be you're like, wait a minute, this right. is stupid. We're gonna go into a little side it. conversation on this. I I have I have admiration to anybody who dig just one foot because after one foot of digging, it's like this sucks, man. I mean, that's why like when you think about like people in the old days that were like grave diggers and stuff like that. It's like, man, that's a job that can almost put you into a grave digging out. Well, a grave. I will say every time, like, I watch like a movie or TV show where they like dig a, dig a grave for somebody, and they're, you know, it's like ten minutes later they're done. It's like, no, that's like backbreaking, agonizing, hard work. Like, you know, also, and they don't show the part like too where they start digging the grave and they hit a big old boulder underground. Like, son of a bitch, now I got to go over here and start again. You know, so I mean, it's it, yeah, digging sucks. That's what they make machines for. Yeah, I, I kind of, I feel. 
Well, I, I think that's the other thing too. There's really very few scenarios now where you can dig, like especially if you live in a very well established, like you know, I don't know, suburban area, because with all the wires and pipes and stuff, I mean, basically you have to yeah, call yeah. the utility companies to get everything marked. I don't think there's ever like very rare few places in my yard where I could actually dig where I'm not going to probably hit something and electrocute myself or yeah. spew, spew raw sewage all over the place, like bile. See, I was lucky. Up in the cities, we had to do something, and we got We had nothing for some, somehow in the middle of St. Paul. We didn't have anything in our backyard. Up here, we've got stuff all over the place, I think. So somebody came out because Spectrum had to come out and do so. They were putting in some kind of line. And they put all sorts of crap in our backyard, but yeah, somehow up in the cities we we didn't have any. But uh, no, I did not dig a hole to China. Damn it! I thought that was it. Mm-mm. Last week, after almost a year and a half, I wrapped up my first Dungeons and Dragons campaign that I was DMing ever. Holy crap! Uh, from beginning I think the to end. A good friend of mine did the same thing. I don't know if you might have been slightly more than a week ago, like a couple of weeks ago. He posted on Facebook that he did the same thing. There was some long campaign that he wrapped up with some people he had. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, uh, it, sir! Thank you, thank you. Now I'm planning the next campaign. It was a it was a very I think fulfilling and rewarding thing being a DM. And I get why like some people don't like being DM because they'd rather be that player, but. You know, I, I put a lot of work into it, and I feel that everybody that was part of the campaign really appreciated, you know, all the little things I did. But, man, I sit there, and it's weird because it's almost along the lines. Like, you can't go back. and I love that campaign that I ran, but I almost feel like I can never go back and do it again just because I've already done it once. And now that you kind of already lived through it, it's hard to try to go through it again almost. And I think the hard part is, I think I would have enjoyed being a player in the campaign, but I'll never be able to do that because now that I've ran it, I already know kind of all the beats and stuff that are involved unless somebody radically modifies the overall campaign. Yeah, I think it would be interesting like, now that you've gone through it is if you took like, and you know, maybe not necessarily something you do right now, but like maybe years down the road, take like a completely different group through and just it'd be, it'd be curious to see what you know, like what that te- what group did that the other one didn't and vice versa. Like, you know, oh, this team, this group really screwed this part up, but this team group did, you know, hell of a lot better with it and like just see where they all end up after the end of it all. One thing I never did while running the campaign, I never took notes. I actually kept everything in my head and I never wrote down details. And it'd be one of those things like, oh yeah, that's what happened here. That's what happened there. And when we got done with the campaign, we kind of spent like 40, 50 minutes talking about things, like some of the things they did do and didn't do. But it was also one of those like reflections of like, man, I really kept so much information in my head. Like somebody could ask me something like, oh, yeah, yeah. you guys did it around this and here. I think at least that's where I'm very glad about the source material that I used that I think it was very interesting. And I feel that it did. a. It's, it's definitely, I think, a rich world. It's funny because I was joking to the group that, you know, we're moving on to a new campaign. And I said, after that, maybe in two years, we'll do a return back to this campaign, but like you guys at higher levels and I'll like do something that's more of a homebrew, but yeah. First time as nice. a DM. Which uh, was a specific campaign that you finished up or was it just a kind of a hodgepodge of stuff? It was a specific one. We did the curse of Strahd. Ah, I've heard good things about that one. It is a very good one. Definitely a lot of characters. There's also a lot of, like, characters I invented for the campaign, which is also good when you try to, like, 
dot and put your own like certain characters and personalities in there too. I thought it was really fun to do. There was definitely, I think, some points where, like, when you're a DM, it's like definitely those sheep herder moments where it's like, oh man, why are you guys fixated on this? How do I get you back on track? And they're like, maybe if we do this, like, no, that's inconsequential. Don't worry about that. But you know, they're like, oh, we gotta go do these things. Like, oh, all right, all right, we'll go. Oh, bitch, guess I gotta write a quick little side quest now because they decided to focus on that one menial thing that was just a throwaway detail that they're now gonna spend three weeks on. I, I did have to do that multiple times where it's like, all right, guess I'm gonna start winging some shit right now. Let's just see how this goes, and it turned out fine and everything. But yeah, no, I do feel like you'd be pretty good at like handling stuff on the fly like it's one of those things you're you're good you're good at improvising i feel like with stuff like that whether you're the dm or the player like whereas i think a lot of people would be like oh shit um i need a 20 minute break here guys let's go you know or whatever and you know but i feel like you 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 would handle that stuff pretty good i think i think the problem i think the key thing too with some problem that some people have is that they they're some people are very linear where like this is how it is and i have to be in control and I think for me, like when you do Dungeons and Dragons, it does have to be like a collaborative effort. You still have, like, there's times where like the people I was with would like suggest something I would never have thought of. And I'm like, you know what? Let's see where this goes. All right. Yeah, sure. You can do that. And it would lead to like some of these like weirdly unique moments where you just sit there. And I like to think they at least appreciate it. Hey, you know, I'm not rigid. Like, I don't want to be that like strict. Like, no, you can't do that. That's not what you can do. I can only say what you do. No. You can throw something out to me. I think there was only like a few times that I maybe vetoed something where it's like, no, I can't let you do that because that's that's right now breaking the game in some ways. But like once they were like fighting a sort of almost like a giant Baba Yaga hut and a witch, and one of them had the idea of to use like a polymorph spell to change it into a mouse. Well, then I had a character fly the mouse up above the witch. If you kill something with a polymorph that's been polymorphed, it turns back to its original state. So here's this giant tree hut that's falling from 300 feet in the air onto the witch and destroying them both. And that was one of those moments that they were like, oh, that was awesome. And I sat there like, yeah, I'm glad I let you guys do that. I'm glad I let you guys like come up with a weird moment right there where I'll reward your ingenuity right there with those types of moments right there. And I think that's kind of the nice part about the collaborative process where as long as you can do it like in that give and take kind of thing right there, it's so much better than like, well, nope, you can't do that. You have to do it this way. No, that's lame and boring. That's not fun for the players. Yeah, I think you get the rules Nazis in there, and I think it takes a little bit of the fun out of it. I think you do it, it like you said, it's got to be kind of a give and take. Like, you know, you can't be such an ironclad. This is the way it's going to go. You guys can't make this decision. You can't, you know, whatever. It's got to be this way. You know, that like you exactly said, you have to reward that creativity sometimes because if it's a good idea, let's think, okay, we're going to let this happen. It's nothing I would have ever thought of in a million years, but, you know, hey, they get creative and good for them. So, Or, you know, yeah. hey, it wipes out like 10 to 15 minutes of prep I did for this one thing. But you know what? Cool. You guys figured out a way to do something in a way I could never have seen at this point. So good for you. So now we're moving on to the next next one, which is Ice uh, Ice Dale, you know, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, which is all based. It's basically frozen with like ten times less singing. Nice. You could put some singing in there. I could, you but could, that you could I, totally turned into a musical. <laughs> roll for initiative. It's time to roll the dice. Sure hope you, you get a good old number. Let's... I sure hope it is nice. 
find like one recurring character to bring in every night and like every, you know, not every session, but every three or four sessions they show up or maybe every time they get to a new town or something, this person's there and they start singing some crazy weird song. Actually, one, yes. one of the greatest bits of ingenuity I did in that campaign is that when we started out, there was only like three people in the group. So it's like, man, that's not enough for this campaign. So I made an NPC character. It was like a halfling thief whose name was Nagoo. And he would go along and he would like sometimes steal from shopkeepers. And after a while, like everybody was like kind of egging him on and kind of like enabling him doing that. And eventually like the party, we got one more person to join. So the party grew up to five. And in my head, the one thing I had in my mind is that no matter what, this character is going to betray them at some point because all he's about is self-preservation. It just happens that their goals align together, which is survival. And eventually I did backstab him. That like NPC character would become a recurring like villain throughout the entire campaign, almost as hated as the main villain itself. And that was one of those moments I sat there where they would sit there like, I wonder what this character's doing. What's where's Nagoo? I'm like, <laughs> you guys, you really want to kill this guy. I'm not gonna let it happen either. <laughs> Hell yes. Mm-hmm. That's good times. It is. Annoying people is fun. Uh, entertaining people through annoyance. John, there's a, an extremely big difference there. I, I suppose it's a fine line. Have you, uh, have you watched, uh, the new season of stranger things yet? I have not. I was what waiting. Like my daughter and I were watching, uh, season one. We were going to catch up. We've kind of stalled out on that just because summertime hit and, you know, summer gets busy and you end up doing all sorts of stuff. So I might just start watching it without her and say nuts to you, daughter. I'm going to watch this without you, but um, I have not. What is? What should I be? I mean, aside from like Metallica and uh, was it Kate Bush or whatever the two that got their their the big boost out of it? Yeah, I don't get the Kate Bush thing too. It's not that great of a song, and yet that song's being played everywhere. And it's just a weird thing that you don't know what like people glom onto. I don't. I don't know. I watched the se- the season and like the first several episodes released at once, and I really wasn't a fan of them. The last two episodes, which run almost like three and a half, four hours in length in the two episodes, I, I feel were much stronger and better. I feel like it's weird when like now you see like I think the standard for a lot of shows is like they split up the show into two parts where like we show six episodes here and six episodes there. like And it works with some shows. I feel like Better Call Saul is an example where I feel that format works well where they kind of split up the seasons and kind of do it that way i'm like all right yeah that works then there's other times when they split up shows and things like that where it's just like eh, like walking dead it's like guys why are we even doing like why are we even doing this many episodes of the walking dead let's just end it please yeah i think it's interesting how different like a different streaming services handle different shows handle you know i mean like netflix tends to do that we're just going to put up put up everything at once others you know, like Hulu and some of the other Disney Plus tend to do the more we're going to put it up once in a week and how they divvy up like the seasons themselves or how they do just, I don't know, it's kind of an interesting place to see where TV back before you had streaming service used to be very formulaic. You know, you've got your hour show, which comes down to, you know, however many minutes without commercials and you need to hit these beats, you know, and it was just very, very formulaic. Whereas now you can play with, you know, how long the episodes are, how long the seasons are, when they get released, how they get released and, you know, any supplemental stuff you might decide you want to put out with it, like a podcast or a book or, you know, whatever it might be. Like, there's a lot more creativity and ingenuity that can be had there. And I think some, some you know, creators handle that well and some 
don't as much and maybe they need to play with a little bit more to you know get used to what works and what doesn't i i understand why some people might like when a show is released all at once and there's i think it depends on the show i think like as an example like when you have like uh comedy shows on netflix like uh i think you should leave with tim robinson or auntie donna's house of fun then yeah, release that all at once. There's there's no value I think in having a week to week because it's not like it's an ongoing concurrent story that has like consequences. But I feel that's where like you know when you have I think shows that do have ongoing plots, I think that's where Disney Plus gets it right. Where it's like, hey, we're releasing six seven episodes, but it's weekly. All right, good because it gives you time. I think to kind of digest some of it better and builds up more anticipation. I feel like when you try doing all at once. Sure, you get that big rush, but I think also you get burned out a lot more quicker. Like by three to f- episode three or four, unless the show's done its job really well, you can burn out. Like I think there's some shows that Netflix did where I'd watch and I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll, I'll watch another one. But I think that's a lot more rare. Like Squid Game is one when I watch, it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna keep watching this. I want to see what they do next. But then there's other ones you sit there and it's like, you gotta kind of let the show breathe a little. I think at some time sometimes. Yeah, I think it's, like you said, I think there's definitely some shows where, and I'm better about this, I think, than most people, like specifically like my wife, you know, my wife, Mariah, she tends to just binge stuff as it comes out, whereas I'm very good about, you know, like, even when a good uh, cliffhanger comes up that I want to know what happens next, I'm like, oh, well, whatever, that's just more reason for me to start watching it tomorrow or in a couple of days or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely has different impact, I think, when you get to, you know, it's week to week. And people start talking like, oh, my God, did you see, you know, whatever, Obi-Wan Kenobi, for example, this week, you know, it's it was crazy. And then, you know, what's going to happen next week? And people get to talk about it and gossip about it, you know, and it gets, you know, on the streaming services behalf, it gets them word of mouth. People start talking about it more, whereas when it comes out all at once, I feel you kind of get that one big rush. Maybe the first couple of weeks it's out where people are talking about it, but then it's kind of like, eh, you know, whatever, it's over with now. You know, like with Stranger Things, when that first season came out, you know, or the first half of that season came out, you heard about it for a good couple of weeks and then nothing. And then, nice, you know, you got another little bump once the second part came up, but now it's pretty much over now. Whereas I think if they had done that week to week, you know, they could have milked that throughout the entire summer. And I don't even know if it's milking it. I think the better way is again, I think when I think when you watch like two, three episodes in a row, or something you just, it's harder maybe to enjoy or appreciate it because you're just pinballing to the next thing. And it doesn't give you time. I think to kind of sit there and think through about what you liked about something. So I, I think that's, I think that's the hard part there. I don't, I don't know. I, I would say this, the, the last couple episodes of stranger things was okay. I think there's definitely some too much like, wasted plot lines in the latest season where it just feels like padding with no consequence. I feel they could have tightened it up a little bit more. I think they went against one of the big elements, what made the show good too, which is I think the interactions between all the cast and characters was what made the show great. They kind of split up the cast in almost three different groups and eventually they all get back together. But I think by limiting some of those interactions, it worked really heavy against this season in some ways. Yeah, the cast is, I mean, especially after this last season, seems to be getting quite a bit bigger. Like, every season they seem to pick up another couple people, which, you know, I think adding new characters here and there is fine, but it does seem like the cast is getting a little, you know, I don't want to say bloated, but there's definitely a lot, and I think that's probably why they, you know, like, I haven't watched the season yet, but I'm guessing that might be part of the reason why they split them up like that. It's like, well, we can't have freaking nine people running around together in a group. That would be freaking ridiculous, you know, so. But I think even having a solution. I think even having as many people as they did, though, I think that's the problem is, like, I feel that, 
each episode, you know, if it's talking 50 minutes, like some of the early episodes, I didn't feel like they were even getting 50 minutes of content out of it. It was just more or less, this person's in this part of the area. And like, okay, and mm, I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to watch it and, and see what's what's up. Another show I've been meaning to watch that I've been hearing quite a bit about is The Bear on. I think it's on Hulu, isn't it? Yeah, I I know somebody who watched it, and he used to work in a kitchen. He said it kind of triggered him because of some of the just weird toxic behaviors you see in some kitchens sometimes. He said it was a good yeah, show. That's but actually, yeah, that, that's what I've heard is that, is that it's almost a little too real, and I kind of, you know... Kind of want to watch to see what that's all about, and you know, it's one I want to watch with like Mariah and see, you know, because she has obviously no idea what it's like being back in a kitchen, and you know, so I'll be curious to see what see what that's all about. That's one I've been meaning to watch. I've been hearing good things about. Supposedly, it just got renewed for season two as well, so you know, must be doing something right. I don't know. Not many shows fail upwards where it's bad and then it just keeps going. Although I yeah. guess I guess you look at some of the bigger shows, like shows that went on to become big, that started off like I, I don't like to use the term feeling upwards, but like exceeded like every expectation. Like as an example, you could like you know touching back into like Breaking Bad. Like I remember when that show first came out, I was really into it just because. All right, so here's the dad from Malcolm in the Middle who's now selling making meth to you know help support his family. And then it kind of just blew up as time went on into something bigger. And I think there are those shows like that where. You know, the first season or two, there's not many viewers, but eventually people catch on like, oh, it's actually really good, and then everybody watches it. Yeah, and it seems like that's it's harder to come by shows like that these days where people kind of, you know, like they look forward to their Stranger Things, their, you know, Game of Thrones back when that was coming. There's, there, it's been a while, I feel, since we've had a new show that's grabbed everybody. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously there's like the Star Wars and the Marvel stuff, but I feel like those have such a baked-in audience that they it's not really in the same category as some of these other ones i think like one of the last shows that i can recall that i sat there and i was very curious about the premise and then upon watching it like it was almost like a level of fascination like i need to see where they take this i think the last show that really made me feel like that was barry when that first debuted where it's like i don't know if it's going to yeah. be big or anything or anything that's going to come with it but I think it got a lot of like you know acclaim, and then all of a sudden it started winning all these awards. And I think people realized, yeah, we kind of like this show because of just how weirdly cringy it is, and just seeing where it's going to go, which it did a good job of maintaining that element even up through its most recent season. Yeah, the most recent is good stuff. Um, Barry definitely gets more unhinged in this one, I think, than than in others. Like the whole part spoilers. where spoilers, you know, where... huh? Who what? Spoilers. Spoilers, yes, people. Spoil. What's well, been the season? Been over for what, like a month now, hasn't it, or maybe more? A month? That's not a lot of time, John. Okay, fine. This uh, season was good, people. You should watch it. Yeah, that's catch up it. on Barry. Go watch Barry. Yes, it's good stuff. Barry, Barry, Barry. Uh, on a Go weird later. side note, like I, I'm almost at a point where I'm going to probably cancel my HBO Max subscription for a few months until something worthwhile comes back out. And I was flipping through it the other night just because. I was like, well, usually like Saturday nights is like new movies, like, you know, bigger movies get like added to the service. So I'm like, oh, what's on there? And there's a show that apparently it's in its second season. And I saw this and I'm like, what the hell is this? It was a show called F Boy Island. You know, F stands for fuck. So like fuck mm. Boy Island. And it's like a show about like, you know, almost like a brief, <laughs> to your favorite point, a reality competition where women are trying to get 
fucked by boys. Not boys, but you know what you know what a fuck boy is, right, yes. John? I'm just gonna keep seeing how many times I can say the word fuck boy over and over again. You're getting you're getting paid by the fuck boy lobby, aren't you? I am getting paid by the fuck boy lobby, but battle between the bio lobby and the fuck boy lobby. I thought it was just amazing. Like I sat there and I didn't even know there was a season one and here it is. There's a second season of fuck boy Island. I'm like, Hmm. It's like HBO, like double down. You watched it. Didn't you? <laughs> no, no, I, I did not watch it. I think from like a dignity standpoint, I don't know if I could watch something like that and just sit there and like, well, I'm a better human being now. Instead. It's like, well, this is the dark path I've taken. Let's see where this downward spiral goes. Just remember that everybody, when he comes back another month or two with, you know, guys, I watched a show on HBO Max called Fuckboy Island. It's great. You should all watch it. You heard it here first. <laughs> I, I shouldn't be shocked that there's a show called Fuckboy Island on HBO when you consider, like, for, God, I, I don't even know if they still make it anymore, like, when they had the real sex show and then, you know, you'd watch, but it was always, like, a bunch of weirdos. Where it's like, oh, look, here's a bunch of like, you know, 55 year olds sitting in a circle jerking off. And it's like, hmm, all right, well, yeah. I'm going to turn thing this is that's probably actually an episode. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. You, you could probably like, hey, you know, here's a person that shows why it's, you know, beneficial to take like camp, you know, camping stakes and pounding them up their ass with a rubber mallet. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if real sex is on HBO Max. It, it probably is. Let's be very clear here. HBO is not going to like give away that content and say, nah, no. we're not going to put that on there. That's the line. <laughs> you, you can't tell me they're going to keep real sex off on HBO Max when they got Fuckboy Island on there. That's true. Very true. Finally, actually, that, that show right there is what helps segue people into like classic episodes of real sex. Like, if you like Fuckboy Island, you'll also like real sex. Like, boy, howdy, will I? And then they turn it on like, this is, no, there's a lot of latex. You'll like, you'll like this show with average to below average looking people that are naked. Here we're at uh, we're at uh, amusement park day at Six Flags where a bunch of fetishists go and discover how their love of latex lets them enjoy park rides that much more. Yeah. Yeah. No thanks. You know, this is going to be the best part. Like when all of a sudden, like I get contacted by HBO and it's like, hey, we like your pitches you have right there that you said on your podcast. Would you like to write for us? How would you like to be the showrunner for the new season of Real Sex that we're thinking about doing? Like there, we were like, we couldn't help get enough of the notes that you had in terms of like episodes. And we absolutely want that on HBO. We want to be in the mic business. I'm like, all right. Let's be in the mic business then. Hell yeah. Let's be in the mic business. And guess what? With such a strong lead in like Fuckboy Island, I mean, man, think about those Monday nights are going to get wild on HBO. I assume it's Monday. I'm just guessing. That would be the worst. Like they put that kind of programming on a Monday. Nobody watches anything on Mondays. (laughs) That's that's why they can tuck it away in there and nobody notices. That's where shows go to die. Uh, Actually, that's Fridays. Yeah, maybe. No, it's true. It's like if a network didn't like a show, that's where they would shuffle it to is Friday, which is the graveyard. Because everybody's out on Friday evenings because it's the weekend and they're out doing stuff. Speaking of graveyards, do you watch the Munsters trailer? I have not because I just don't have any interest in seeing the Munsters. Oh, good Lord. It's so horrible. You need to watch the trailer. It's it's bad. John, I love bad things, but I also feel like the more if I were to watch it, it would give Rob Zombie power. And I don't want to do that. I feel like the only good thing is the guy who plays 
whatever the hell his name is, Herman Munster, does a good job of like imitating the guy who was it Fred Gwynn who played the original one. Right. But other than that, it looks just just not good like in any way, shape, or form. It's it's almost like somebody made a Munsters fan film, which let's make no mistake, this is basically what this is, and then like put it up, only they weren't. It it's yeah, it's it doesn't look good at all. I feel like uh Rob Zombie is kind of fallen in a category where sometimes you get those weird guys that Maybe make something interesting and unique, but the more the time goes on, the worse or more out of touch they get. Like it's kind of like our crumb, like with him like drawing like you know those pornographic cartoons like the seventies and eighties. But then as he gets older, you just realize, man, this is just a creepy guy, man. Whereas back then, like, oh man, he's pushing the boundaries. I feel like Rob Zombie is the same thing. Where like in the nineties and the early two thousands, he was like that weird, kooky niche horror guy, and then he started making movies and started becoming serious and respectable. But now he's, I think, hit that weird avenue where in his fame, where he's now making passion projects, and unfortunately, his passions do not line up with anybody else's passions. Yeah, I will say I did get to tell somebody your Rob Zombie story from when you impersonated him uh, the other day. God, so that that was great. Big fan. That's good stuff. It was. I shouldn't say this because if Rob Zombie ever listens to this, first he's gonna be pissed because I was dissing the monsters. Second he's gonna be mad because I impersonated him once. Yeah. Well, you know. These things happen. That they do. Especially, especially when it's a bunch of parents that don't know any better. Let's be very clear. Most parents don't know any better. The best part of that story is like Three weeks later, when everybody took their like disposable cameras to get you know the film film developed on it, and they were like, "Look, here's the picture I took of Rob Zombie." And the kid's like, "Who the fuck is that, Mom?" <laughs> hey, you know what? I feel like this episode of the Geek Roulette podcast is almost like rivaling Quentin Tarantino on the number of times we've said the word "fuck" between either Fuckboy Island or any other things we've said. I think. This this is the episode, like, if I'm sorry, loyal viewers, all two of you, <laughs> if you're listening to this. My ears are burning. If you're listening to this in public, you know, your mother-in-laws, they're like, what did he just say? The latex, real sex, and then they have a heart attack. I, I don't want oh, that yeah, to be my man. legacy. Come on, Granny's going home and watching Fuckboy Island. You know what? Uh, you know she is. Like, oh, man, I bet she'll get pounded hard by that guy. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. All right, we, we got to end stuff. this. We got to end this. We've we've gone a little off the rails so far. We are starting to veer quite seriously. We are. I, I don't even know where it's going to go anymore at this point. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, sometimes you got to nip it in the bud. Like on uh, F-Boy Island or Real Sex? Oh, yeah. Where nipping it in the bud means a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Camping stakes. Yes, indeed. Folks, thank you for joining us in all of these just rambling off topics. I hope that someday sociologists will listen to this footage and there will be a snap shot into what they believe it was like to live during this time. And they will be so wildly wrong. And they'll, But it doesn't matter because this is the only like archive they have of this era. They'll sit there and like, the well. The only thing left of... The only thing left of human civilization is the Geek Roulette podcast. <laughs> I think that's probably a fair sign that, like, if that's we're the only thing that's, you know, lasted the time, us and cockroaches, baby. Us and cockroaches. Hey, that's good company to be in. Yep. This guy's going to handle the nuke pretty well. Fuck yeah.
All right. So uh, remember Bile, um, Mountain Dew. Uh, Your 81, Black Label, Spam. Yep. There we go. Those are all the most unofficial of sponsors of our podcast. Hell yes, and that they sponsor our paychecks. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, I'm Mike Spragle. Yes, everybody, and I'm John Lundquist. Thank you. We will talk to you again. We will. Have a good one, everybody.